For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness, from this time on, now and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Our next reading is uh, from the book of Luke and reading from uh, chapter 1 verses 26 to 38 and uh, it's entitled the, the Birth of Jesus Foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin placed to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, 
Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this, greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was also said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no, no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. To hand over to uh, Natalie now for uh, Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was a governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, but they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this amazing child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So please join us in singing Once in Royal David City.
This is a reading from Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, 
When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Sweet hymns of joy 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Well, good evening. Um, I'm going to start with just a prayer, which is some words from Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, to uh, misquote a well-known Christmas song, it's beginning to not look like a, a lot like Christmas this year. I wonder what you think of Christmas. Is it normally a time you look forward to? All the joys of being with a family or friends, giving gifts, having a good time? Or is it a bit of a struggle? Having to do that shopping, buying gifts, having to think what people will like, and then all that preparing food, which will probably be eaten and finished in about a tenth of the time it took to prepare. Christmas is an odd mixture, really. For some, it is just a midwinter festival. And in recent years, we have had politically correct councils removing all references to Christmas. 
They no longer have Christmas lights, but winter festival lights, and nativity plays are replaced with other types of children's stories. A time of rampant consumerism, with the shops starting to promote their wares in about August, just after the summer sales. There is an online shopping channel that has a special Christmas in July weekend, where you can even order your Christmas turkey to be delivered in December. And there are also the older songs which are associated with the winter festival, like Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly, Tis the Season to be Jolly, or Here We Go a Wassling, or in effect, Let's Go on a Sort of Pub Crawl and Have a Good Time. And there are sadly also other popular songs that get broadcast at Christmas with very misleading pseudo-Christian messages. The churches have sought to remind people of the true meaning of Christmas, but because of the fact that the celebration of the birth of Jesus was tagged onto the old pagan midwinter festival by the Roman Emperor Constantine in the early AD 300s, probably to try and limit the excesses of the time and the influences of the pagan religions, there are still people who just want to enjoy themselves. I can remember speaking to a Jehovah's Witness many years ago about Christmas. They don't celebrate Christmas because they have a wrong view of who Jesus was and part of his argument that it was not the correct date. And although I accepted that fact, <clears throat> there are suggestions that either April or September as being the real birth date, I said that surely it was right to celebrate the fact of the birth of Jesus, even if the date is not exactly right. After all, the Queen has both an official birthday and a real birthday. So why not accept Christmas as Christ's official birthday. And if he considered the events of Easter to be important, then that life had to be started sometime. And was, not it, was it not a cause to celebrate the good news the angels brought to the shepherds? If the angels thought it was a cause for rejoicing, then why shouldn't we rejoice with them? He went away unconvinced. We could say that there are two festivals taking place at the same time. The midwinter festival to celebrate the fact that the day with the longest darkness period has passed and looking forward to the light of spring and the new life that occurs in nature. And the Christian festival of Christmas, where we celebrate the birth of the son of God who became flesh and dwelt among us to become the light which shines in the darkness of our sinful humanity and provides the opportunity for a new life in him. As we read in the passage in Luke 2, the angels brought good news to the shepherds out in the fields close to Bethlehem. What was the angels greeting? Fear not, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. He then went on to tell them what those glad tidings were. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So two facts they gave him. Firstly, what he was going to do. 
be a savior. The concise Oxford Dictionary defines a savior as deliverer, redeemer, person who saves a state, etc., from destruction. So what did the people need saving from that meant it was good news that a savior had been born? The Jews at that time wanted someone to save them from the Romans who had conquered the land, but it was not what this savior was going to do. As we read in the account of the angel's appearance in the dream to Joseph, informing him of that Mary was to have a child by the Holy Spirit, Joseph was told the child was to be named Jesus, for he would save their, his people from their sins. Not a word that people talk about much today. <clears throat> when I was young, an example was referenced to people who cohabited outside of marriage as people who were living in sin. And Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what is sin? One dictionary defines sin as transgressions against divine law of principles of morality. I was given a definition of sin as a young person, and I was often reminded of it when I was driving to work and listening to the late Terry Wogan's morning show. When listeners wrote in or emailed in and referred to the team, Terry usually sought to correct them with the statement, there is no team here, there is no I in team, implying that he was the only person that was important. Sin, I was told, is a three-letter word with I at the centre. And if I am the centre at the centre of importance in my life, and I do what I want to do whenever I want to do it because I know best, then I am exhibiting the same attitude that we read about in Genesis chapter three, where Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command not to eat of the tree of the middle of the garden. They wanted to be equal with God and so were cast out of that close relationship with God that they had enjoyed. As a result of that act, we are told death and judgment came into the world. But God also promised that he would provide a means by which that close relationship could be restored. In our readings from the prophet Isaiah, we learn of God telling the people of Israel about that promised man who was to come. At that time, about 700 years BC, they were looking for someone to restore the old Jewish kingdom, looking back to the glory days under King David. In Isaiah chapter 9, he is given many titles, but Mighty Warrior is not one of them. Rather, he is given the title Prince of Peace. He would be the person who would not restore that old kingdom, that brings, but bring a new kingdom where reconciliation with God was possible and the close relationship restored. As Paul says in the epistle to the Romans, chapter five, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. 
For just as though the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Secondly, the angel said who he was. He is the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah. He taught us many things which many people accept to be teaching of a good man. But the Bible states that he was more than this. He was fully God and fully man. John says, as we've just heard, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory of the one with uh, the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And Paul says in Philippians that Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. And we read in the beginning of Hebrews, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And Jesus himself stated that he was God. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And in chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you, will, you do know him and have seen him. And in his prayer for the disciples in chapter 17, he says, Father, I want you to... I want those who have given you've given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. His appearance in human form enabled him to live a life free from sin and so become the perfect and final sacrifice for the sins of the world to restore a right relationship with God. Now, this story has been told many times, and often the reaction is, well, if you want to believe it, you can. How do you know it's true? And today there are many people who do not accept that there is absolute truth. Well, Jesus was always emphasising that there was some absolute truths in this life. In the first edition of the NIV, in Matthew's Gospel, he says, I am telling you the truth 30 times. In John's Gospel, 26 times. 
So it's important that we take note of what he was teaching, teaching on each of those occasions. If you want to check, you will find that unfortunately, in the latest revision of the NIV, some of those have been changed to truly or very truly, I am telling you, which I believe dilutes the effectiveness of what Jesus was saying. However, we all know that there is one absolute truth from which we cannot escape. At some point in time, we will die. The American president, Benjamin Franklin, is famously quoted as saying, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. As we approach Christmas in this unusual time, there is much bad news around. Fears over the lasting effect of COVID-19 on our health and our economy. Sir David Attenborough going on about protecting our planet, otherwise there will be catastrophic consequences. He made a statement recently to the effect that the future of the planet is in our hands, and if we did not change our ways, then extinction of the human race was a likely consequence. And it reminded me of the time during Stan's ministry when I was down to preach in the morning service and I arrived wearing a badge. It was about the time where badges were being introduced in the church to indicate people who were in the prayer ministry team. As I was not a member of the prayer ministry at that time, he wanted to know what my badge wearing was all about. The badge said, John Hawthorne, extinction or distinction. I told Stan the badge actually related to a conference that I had attended a few years earlier regarding the future of the pathology service within the NHS. And we had to choose between various topics. And I chose the topic with the title, the future of the NHS pathology service in the 21st century, extinction or distinction. Well, it's not a snappy title that fits easily on the name of a badge and hence the abbreviation. When I received the badge and looked at it, I thought it was an apt description of my life. And when my wife Esme saw it, she thought it was an apt title for a sermon and hence the subject of my sermon that morning. You may be relieved to know that I'm not going to preach that sermon now, but I still think that the wording of the badge is relevant to each of us. David Attenborough's statement that the future of the planet is in our hands is wrong. The Bible tells us that this planet is held in Jesus's safe hands. There is an old African-American spiritual song that says, He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. And Colossians 1 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. True, we need to do more to take care of God's creation, as we are required to do, as stated in Genesis. But the extinction of the human race as we currently know it is also in God's hands and at God's timing. As we look back at this time to Jesus's first birth, first coming as a baby in Bethlehem, we also look forward to his second coming in glory when, as the Apostles, Apostles Creed states, he will judge both the living and the dead. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, we are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So at that judgment, will we get the bad news of John 3.18, which says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And will that lead to extinction, as we read in Revelation? In the Revelation verse 28, there is a list of those who will not enter the new Jerusalem, but face a second death, and the unbelieving are listed among them. Or will we get the good news of Hebrews 9 verse 28? So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And will we get distinction with the well done, good and faithful servant? John 1.12 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And James says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So, with the good news of the birth of a saviour being proclaimed again this Christmas, let us give thanks for all that Jesus did during his life on earth to give us a glimpse of the nature of God and for his sacrificial death on the cross to bear the punishment for our sins. Let us praise him that by overcoming death by his glorious resurrection, and through his cleansing blood, we can be washed clean of our sin and we can, can be clothed in his righteousness and pre be presented faultless before the throne of grace with joy. If you do not know that hope, then make this Christmas the start of a journey to find out more about the good news of God's greatest gift better than any gift you will receive from family and friends, the gift of eternal life through the redeeming blood of Christ Jesus. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message of the angels to the shepherds, the good news of a savior, the fulfillment of your promise to send the Messiah. We thank you for sending your son and that we can trust every statement he made when he declared he was telling the truth, especially when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Help us not to forget that great love you had for us, which caused you to plan this way of bringing reconciliation of a broken and fallen humanity into a personal relationship with you through that perfect life he lived and the awful death he died to pay for our sins. Forgive us when we get so caught up in the festivities that we do not give time to reflect on the cost of our salvation. Lord, help us to put you in the heart of our Christmas activities for your glory and as witness to your great love. Amen. I'm going to hand straight over to Kevin, actually, who's going to lead us in prayer for a second or two. Kev, you want to unmute yourself? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Bill. I'll just bring a, a, a more widely prayer. So let's just bow our heads, if we can, for a, a couple of moments. Heavenly Father, as John has shared, we primarily thank you for Christmas time and the true celebration that it brings to us to focus on you. But as a world, this year has been unlike any other for a long time. Every nation has seen and felt the effects of the COVID-19 virus in some manner, and our own nation is no different. And because of this, we especially pray your blessing and comfort upon those who have lost loved ones unexpectedly this year. They more than us will feel perhaps bewildered, let alone their great loss, more so at this time. They will be having to rebuild and rethink their lives going forward. And as such, we ask that you give them peace. Reach out to them, Father, and bring them under your loving wing. We pray and thank you for everyone involved in fighting this battle against the virus, whether they be our NHF frontline staff or the scientists in labs seeking the cure. And we praise you for the gains we have made so far. We pray for those in employment or running a business, asking that financial concerns will be eased and any monetary help that has been promised will come quickly. And as a country, Father, we are still separating from the EU in 11 days time. Even at this late stage, we ask that wisdom is shown from both sides and right decisions are made. So that whatever happens after December the 31st, it will affect each of us in some manner. So we ask that this is as minimal as possible and that essential goods do not suffer. Finally, Father, we ask your blessing and protection on this church of your people, seeking to continue to share your name with those around us. We praise you for bringing to this church people who have worked so hard and so well this last year in such difficult times. 
and may all the glory be yours and your name be praised forever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kev. I'm going to hand back to uh, Natalie for our, uh, for, uh, and Lee actually, because I think he introduces it, for our uh, final song. Thank you. a song with you this year that has been written by We Are Kingdom called Light of the World. And what we pray and hope that it's something that will resonate in your hearts and your homes this Christmas. It's a focus of where Jesus has come and brought that light that we need. So please enjoy and we wish you a Merry Christmas.
so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life help us lord to remember the huge sacrifice you were you made as we come to celebrate this this christmas the sacrifice made that so that we can enjoy eternal life with you and we pray that anyone who can't claim that promise lord that, that they will uh, they will hear your call this christmas over and, and put that right over the next few weeks or the next few days, Lord. 
Bless us now as we enjoy this holiday time. Be with us all at this time, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>